The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 33 I stood before towering fungal growth, the air full of spores, the room around me continuously pumping life into the immense mushroom, the conduit for the Veyer's communication system. It pulsed through my veins, my skin tingly, my head ringing with the background noise of countless voices. I was connected now. In my mind, I could feel the presence of many systems, the living awareness of this huge satellite I was on, its doorways and its corridors, its life support functions, and more. Further in the background lurked the same vibrant, powerful presence I had glimpsed upon first eating the mushroom. The collective consciousness of the Veyer themselves, or some embodiment of it. But I avoided thinking about it. I didn't know what would happen if I got too close to that. Either I'd alert the whole fortress to my presence, or maybe lose myself entirely. Nope. Though there was a definite appeal about it all. This felt good. The connection was fiery, sensual, altogether more physical than being linked to a Nyar thought computer. I kind of felt more alive, as if all these grown machines were an extension of me. A layout of this base popped up like a map in my mind accompanied by an intuitive awareness of exactly where I needed to go. The heady rush of the new connection still upon me. I strode boldly out of the room. With the corridors of the Harvester Fortress opening up before me, I knew just where I needed to go. A turn to the left, a turn to the right. A long sojourn down a winding corridor. I passed by more Fizar warriors, still keeping to my stealth mind, though I could sense my Atra levels depleting. I couldn't maintain this for much longer, but hopefully I wouldn't need to. Nobody noticed me as I reached the place I needed to be, a person-sized alcove containing a viscous membrane. I stepped inside, the closet drawing me in with a sucking motion. In a normal state of mind, it would have been icky, but connected as I was to the Veyer tech, it felt natural. My body was pulled down the slick membrane of the tube, my mind inundated with possible destinations in the fortress. From thousands of living quarters to multiple docking bays, labs, recreational areas, and meeting halls, all located along the three-ring structure of the eye. I sent it the thought of Central Ring, the command sector, where Gervath and his cohorts were keeping the blueprints. I surged through the tube, and it felt like nothing more than going down some slippery children's slide. At times, I could see through the translucent tube, and into sections of the fortress. Enormous, gaping chambers of biomechanical weirdness, filled with all sorts of twitching things and slimy contraptions. I slid through the different levels of the fortress, going ever inward in my descent. Soon I could see the inner ring approaching, and mentally chose the destination closest to the center. Beneath me, the floor was fully translucent, and I could see a vast gray surface rolling out below, 
pockmarked with craters, lined in ancient crevices and the weathering of untold eons. This must have been Aruvis's moon, the one this base had reputedly been built around. Several minutes after the tube transport had stopped its descent, it began moving me sideways above the lunar curvature. Then I saw it upon the surface, a great tear in the moon's skin, a gaping hole like the kind a bullet would make in flesh. The hole was surrounded by structures, pipes, tubes, and wire-like devices made of the Vare's living tech, all running along scaffolding that led from the hole up into the fortress itself. From inside the hole came a glow that flickered periodically as it changed colors, seemingly at random. As my tube drew closer, I could then see the source of that glow, set deep inside the pit. But what I figured must have been close to the moon's center was a rapidly fluctuating polyhedron of light, color, and radiance. It spun and swirled, occasionally flipping between shapes and colors, alternating its number of sides or the intensity of its light. The radiant shape was absolutely brimming with Atra, more than I had ever seen. Trillions of particles spinning into and out of it. Yup, that had to be the harvest device itself. The very thing that kept the people of Aruvis in a cycle of death and rebirth. Constantly forgetting themselves while feeding the Vare with their beliefs and emotions. I could feel the Atra surging through it as a tingle on my skin. The collected energies of a population. Their hopes and fears. Their passions and their ideals all extracted and processed into this glorious stuff. My tour bride soon took me out of view of the Harvest Corps, but I was reminded again of why I was here. I needed to retrieve the blueprints, for sure, but if I could stop those scraggers from farming my homeworld, all the better. Soon, the rest of the lunar landscape vanished from view as I entered the inner ring. At last, the living contraption deposited me out of another alcove, Fresh air filled my nostrils with a crisp and floral scent. I looked upon an expansive hall, alight with what resembled natural sunlight, streaming in from white windows above. The ground was carpeted in something mossy, uniformly grown like carpet. The walls had a woody character, like polished bark that was sometimes shaped into swirling, artistic patterns. Not a seam in sight. This was nice. Surprisingly nice. I had expected horror. Biological monstrosities. Squirming abominations shaped into living machines. Instead, I saw chairs, tables, and couches grown out of the plant matter, placed around pools of clear water, which shone in iridescent shades of green, blue, orange, or yellow. There weren't any other people in sight. I supposed that most of the Vare had gone into the outer rings to prepare for the impending attack. I walked forward, feeling more at ease, my feet soft on the gentle mossy ground. I strode ahead, my inner sense telling me I didn't have far to go. Just a few more turns, a couple more doors to get through. A being suddenly stepped out from a side room, directly ahead of me. I stood facing a seven-foot-tall insectoid, stark green carapace covered in yellow markings, its six eyes staring directly at me. I froze. I didn't have a chance to push deeper into stealth mind. I had been seen, and I knew it. Before I could move, the bug person stepped towards me, small serrated blades appearing in each of its six hands. It swung at me and I ducked, getting out my own blade as my knee hit the soft floor. As I expanded it out to full size, I was forced to roll sideways, 
The enemy hacking at the ground where I had been. I thrust my blade upward, aiming for its thorax, but the insectoid blocked with one of its many weapons. It hacked at me with another. I was unable to avoid it, and I could feel the green steel slicing through the tendons of my left triceps, pain rippling down my arm. I leapt to my feet, stepping into a defensive posture as the insectoid once more bunged for me. Its next set of attacks I was able to evade, lifting up my own weapon to block as I pedaled backward across the soft ground. I spotted a gap in his defenses, his right flank. As the insectoid made its next flurry of attacks, I swung my blade wide. I aimed for the being's side, lunging forward and behind it. I felt my twist blade cutting through its chitin carapace and heard its hiss of pain. I instantly spun around as my opponent fell forward, stumbling. Before it could recover, I jabbed my expanded weapon into the back of its head. It twitched a moment and then collapsed onto its abdomen, dead. I breathed, falling against the wall. I could still feel my wound, but the pain was rapidly decreasing, the nanites in my clothing cauterizing and numbing it. Glancing over the Vare's body, I briefly considered hiding it somewhere, but realized that wouldn't do much good. That thing had spotted me, and it was clearly linked with this place's group mind. They would know something happened, and they'd soon realize that there was an invader in their midst. My Nyar ship in the docking bay wasn't that well hidden either. I had to complete my task and do it quick. Up ahead should be the Lord Governor's personal chambers, and beyond them a control room where you'll be able to access the lab. Zerathra's voice came from within. I could feel her watching through my eyes. Before me was a grand archway, made up of twisting vines. There lay my goal, and Lord Gurveth as well. I steeled my will, and directed my remaining Atra in a field around my body that would reflect away all light. Unseen, unnoticed invisible. For a bit at least. I had to make this count. One look down at my own legs told me it had worked. I couldn't even see myself. I stepped through the archway in the small antechamber beyond, into a greater room. There the flowers bloomed. Purple three-petaled ones that blossomed out of the green foliage below and opened wide. Among them, creatures moved and fed. They were short things, about a quarter of my height, their bodies more or less canid in form, with long snouts and big wide noses. Their flesh was smooth, like the skin of a fungus, largely brown but mottled with gray spots. The bottoms of their floppy ears were ridged much like the undersides of mushrooms. I didn't know their names, but I'll call them shroom dogs. The cute little fungi waddled about the chamber, sniffing one another, or moving between the tufts of flowers and occasionally munching. I kind of wanted to pet one, but I could feel my invisibility beginning to fade. I needed to get through here quick. A figure stepped through the door, tall, lanky, his skin black as night. It was Gurveth. I gave him a double take. Was it Gurveth? Unlike before, he was clad in a loose, gray, comfortable robe. It was the same face, but decidedly less skeletal looking, and the eyes that had before been filled with a dark red radiance, were normal, green-colored eyes. The Vare Governor let out a relaxed sigh as he stepped into the area, and his lively green eyes looked out upon the pack of shroom dogs. You are progressing well, my little ones, he said, bending down and patting one of the creatures on its head. The shroom dog let loose a clicking purr, 
Navava will be pleased to hear of your progress. I was a little stunned. The godhead of Aruvis, Lord Governor Gervath, was a person. He didn't look menacing or powerful. He was just chilling out with his pets in a nice environment. I could imagine him breeding those things as a hobby, taking care of them, actually loving them. It was a far scragging cry from the expanding tentacled monstrosity I had seen last time. <sighs> was he just a scary bad guy when he was at work? I imagined he might have a partner, a family back home. Definitely more of a personal life than me, but I quickly realized I didn't have time to think about it. He was indeed powerful, and I'd seen how scary that scragger could be when he wanted to and my invisibility only had a few more moments. I ignored Gerveth and made sure to keep my stealth mind up. The lights shifted in the room, the natural glow changing to an alarmed orange. I could sense it through the Veyer's comm system. They were on alert. They knew I was inside. Gerveth looked up for a moment, then shook his head, an annoyed expression on his face. He stood fully to his feet and raised one hand, which quickly morphed into a ropey black tendril. He was reaching out with his mind, probing, searching. I shut myself down entirely, small, insignificant, invisible. All the while, I kept walking, past where Gerveth stood, towards the nearby archway. His titanic intellect hovered over me, getting closer and closer to detecting me, hurrying my pace, I reached the archway and stepped through. I kept walking down the wooded hallway until it opened up into what must have been Gervath's control room. The mossy carpeted floor and the fine decor ended in a barren chamber with black bony walls, like the outer fortress. A lone chair rose out of the floor. On the opposite wall was the outline of another door, shut and locked, where I knew they were keeping the blueprints. I rushed inside and sat down. I could immediately feel myself connecting to a deeper layer of the Veyer system. In my mind swam images of the entire base, its security system pulsing like a heart, alive and aware. From here, shutting it off was easy. Its link to the fortress appeared as a thick vein, pumping violet-colored fluid. It was just a matter of pinching that vein, shutting off the flow. I could do it. But I knew I couldn't do it undetected. Gerveth would know. The others would know. But Scraggit, this had to be done. They already knew I was here. I looked deeper. Among the nerve-like arrangements, there were hundreds of little bundles, representing different subsystems. Environmental controls, communications, weapons, base shields. Oh. I realized what I could do. What I had to do. They knew I was here anyway, and I couldn't stay invisible long enough to get out. Might as well cause all the chaos I could. Scrag them, scrag the Veyer. Even if they were people just like me, I had seen all the dugga crap they had done to Aruvis and were still doing to it. I boldly thrust my ego into the system, skirting the very edges of the Veyer unity mind, feeling his presence upon me, creeping over me. I pushed past it and mentally gripped several of the vein-like connections, cutting them off. Security to the inner ring, gone. Shields, gone. Immediately, I felt the room I was in shaking, the bioluminescent lighting shifting to a deeper red color. 
The other lights dimming. Security doors opened. Say to something that was more a feeling than a voice. Shield systems down. And then the distinct feeling that I had been noticed. Of hundreds of unseen eyes upon me. I stood to my feet as I opened my own eyes. The door to the inner chamber was now open. Not wasting another second, I practically jumped into the next room. It was a great chamber. Its walls lined with what I guessed to be monitors, looking like screens of water suspended in place. Several tables grew out of the ground, holding all manner of mysterious tech. From detached claw limbs to mysterious wand-like antennae, or boxes covered in weird symbols. Near the back of the chamber, a series of fleshy ropes hung from the ceiling, holding aloft head-sized bulbs filled with sloshing yellow fluids. I scanned the room for the info ball I knew held the blueprints. It was surprisingly easy to find, the sphere just sitting on one of the back tables next to a pile of metal discs. Oh, I would have figured they'd have it hooked up to some scragged-up doomsday machine already. Most curious, stated Zarathra in my mind. It appears they have not yet begun testing the blueprints. My guess is those tech haters don't even know how to read the thing. I don't understand. Savahartha spoke of them weaponizing it already. I gulped, a doubt coming into my mind. Had I wasted my time coming here? Whatever, it's too late to turn back. I walked over and scooped it up, placing it in one of my leg pockets. I needed to get out of here. My atra was nearly depleted. I could feel the last of it trickling off into my invisibility field. Only moments remained. I turned around and ran. I dashed through the control room and into Gervath's garden, not seeing the shroom dogs around anymore. I caught sight of someone from the corner of my eye, but didn't stop to determine who it was, running straight through the room and into the main hall. You need to make it back into the outer ring, said Zirathra from in my mind. With their shields down, there may be a chance of escape. As my feet rapidly touched upon mossy ground, I made a line for the nearest tube transport alcove, the one I had taken into here. There were Fizar here now, emerging from side chambers, glowing electropikes in hand. I saw at least five, but was sure more would arrive unseen shortly. I could feel my invisibility trickling away, but kept running, past the first line of crimson-clad warriors. The alcove was in sight. I could hear boots behind me as I continued to dash towards it. I glanced down at my hand to see it flickering, alternating between visible and not visible. My atra was just about gone. I leapt for the transport alcove. From behind me there was a flash of light, the discharge of an electropike blast hitting the wall right next to me. I sensed an immense anger reverberating through the Veyer communications network. I reached the enclosure. My body sucked into the viscous membrane. Once again I blasted through the tube, seeing the expanse of the fortress zipping by. I coasted over the buried lunar surface, beheld the shining geometry of its harvest core, the Atra sadly out of reach. I was then back in the outer ring with its dark, fleshy walls and bony protrusions, standing in an open hallway, my invisibility gone. And I was not alone. They poured into the area, biologically manufactured Fizar in their plated armor, blasting pikes in hand. Nyar Invader! A booming voice shouted from the walls, You will be purged! Twelve Fizar rushed at me, weapons in hand. 
The walls were aglow with blinking red lights. I ran straight at the enemy, dodging the first salvo of blasts. As I did so, I once more whipped out my twist blade, letting it expand out with the flick of a wrist. I sliced at the nearest Fizar, seeing him fall as I struck him in the chest. More began to step towards me. I ducked low and hacked at another, slicing clean through both of his legs. The others were closing in, beginning to surround me. I sidestepped the blast from one of their pikes. But another grazed my side, a jagged pain arcing through my torso. I gritted my teeth and fought on. It would take more than one shot to take me down. Jabir's training in the forefront of my mind, I ducked and I slashed, leaping between opponents when I could and taking them down when I needed to. My goal was not victory, but escape. Finally, I stepped around a corner and once more broke into a full run down the blackened hallways. Sweat poured from my body. It felt all itchy and irritated, like insects had just stung me all over my skin. But I pressed on. The fires are behind me were gaining, moving in unison. I could hear their heavy boots on the ground. Ahead, the throat-like hall led onward. I followed it, towards the main docking bay. Close now. Several more warriors rounded a corner ahead of me. Same tactic as before. Dodge, evade, block, push forward. Fizar swung at me as I ran by, but I grabbed his pike and slammed him against the wall. I kept running. The main hangar opened up before me like a gaping maw filled with hundreds of starships. Vayar soldiers massed throughout it, but I ignored them, ducking for cover behind said ships as their blasts echoed across the chamber. I sprinted for the back corner, seeing the familiar blob-like wreck behind which I had hidden my octahedron fighter. When I finally reached it, the fighter craft was no more, only a smashed hunk of debris and scorch marks. They had found it. Fizar surrounded the destroyed Octa, many of their heads turning my way. Scrag. I wondered if I could possibly hack my way into a Vayar ship, but I wasn't even sure if I'd have a chance to get to one. Dozens of weapons were pointed my way. I glanced at the hallway entrance to see it blocked by a mass of lurching black tentacles. Gurvath. Red lights continued to blink throughout the docking bay. So close. I could feel the info ball containing the blueprint, still in my pants, but I had no idea how I was going to get out of here with it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.